Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Can you submit yourself to God's whatever? Because really only those that are desperate will submit themselves to God's whatever. You say, God, I need more money. I need more money in my home. All right, I want you to give tithe and offering. What? Don't you want me to save some more and go get a second or third job? You want me to give money away to get money? I don't understand that. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Welcome to all of you once again that are here this morning. And and I want to uh, welcome also our online community that are gathering all around the world And we thank God for you. Thank you for communicating with us uh, through uh, through emails and through comments on the YouTube platform. Thank you for giving uh, at our website at kingdomrock.org. Thank you for praying for us. You guys are part of this congregation, and I thank you for joining us every week. All right. As you know, we've been in a series that we just started last week entitled Restore the Glory. Restore the Glory. Restore the glory. The people of God really have, we've been living, bless you, we have been living for far too long, far too long without the glory of God in manifestation in our lives, in manifestation. It is, it is not a good thing that when you look at the, the average, the average Christian that I have seen, that we are depressed, we are worried, we are sad, we are frustrated, we are aggravated, sick and weak. That's not the life that Jesus came to give us. That's not what he came to give us. Jesus said that I've come that, that he, Jesus said that he has come that we would have life and have it more abundantly. That's a life full of joy, full of power. The Bible calls us overcomers, overcomers. So it is up to us to rise to that place in God. And doing that is really the beginning of it is realizing that the life we've been living is beneath our privileges. And it's a life that we were never meant to live. So we should live every day victoriously, every day under the power and the authority of Christ Jesus And when the world system looks at you, they should see Christ, an example of Christ. Now, think about it this way as we get into the scripture. If you were going to uh, buy a a new car, uh, buy a new vehicle, wouldn't you look for ones that have been a car that has been on the road for a while, something that has been tested? Someone, you, you see other people and they're enjoying that car. That car is a representative of the manufacturer, right? You see people in there driving that car. Oh, they're happy in that car. Oh, that car's giving them such a good service, such good service, and they're joyful, and it hardly breaks down. If it does, then the dealership can take care of it. It's under warranty. It's a great car. You would consider buying that car. But if you go to another dealership and people are, you see the other kind of car, and people are always complaining about it breaking down. 
and the dealership never takes care of it, never takes care of any repairs, and you always see it on the side of the road, would you consider buying that vehicle? By the same token, the world is not as spiritual as they claim. It is hard for them to look over bad examples. We say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus. But it's hard for them to look over our depression, over our worry, over our constant complaining. It's hard for them to look over all of that, seeing us on the side of the road and say, hmm, I mean, your life is better than mine? Somebody understand what I'm talking about? So we first, first of all, have to realize that we're living beneath and we're meant to have more. And then more is in his presence, not to be satisfied until we live the life that Jesus said is ours. It's time for us to take it back. Glory to God to take it back in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You are a child of the most high God. The spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And you are loved, loved beyond measure. Courage and grace and power belongs to you. Glory to God. Limitless resources from the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within your reach. It is at hand. And we should not stop ever until we rise into that life that he has called us to live. This is a series we entitled Restore the Glory. Hallelujah. Our journey last week started on uh, John, the second chapter, John, the second chapter, verses one through 11. We're going to go back and read this one more time. And I want to show you about three more principles that are in these verses of scripture that I know the Lord has given to me to give to you. So I pray that your ears and hearts are open to hear and to respond. Amen. All right. We're going to go ahead, go ahead and read it one more time. Thank you so much for your for your praying with me. All right, John, the second chapter, verses 1 through 11. Now, the King James Version says this. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three fergins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doeth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus 
in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Now I told you there were about three other uh, signs that we needed to see here to really catch the full context of this scripture. Number one, we realized from verse number, uh, verse number one, that it was the third day. It was the third day. The third day is a sign of the resurrection of Christ, resurrection of Christ. And the second sign is that this was a marriage, marriage, a wedding has taken place. And this is a, is a sign of Christ and the church, the church, at least some of the church, we can say, because the bride, the Bible says the bride have made herself ready. And so there is a remnant coming out of the church that is actually called the bride that Jesus is betrothed to. He is, uh, he is the bridegroom, and we're going to see that. But again, the first sign is that of the third day. The second sign is that of a marriage, which talks about the church. The third sign there is the wine. The wine in this context speaks of the Holy Spirit. The wine is symbolic of the Spirit. We went through these scriptures on last week. The Holy Spirit here, wine symbolic of the Holy Spirit, his power, his, his authority, his influence, his presence, his ability, his wisdom, his effectiveness. Wine talks also about his glory, his glory. And uh, let me show you this, but the fourth sign we're really looking to today is that Jesus is, in fact, the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. Now, there are several scriptures that I want you to see here. Now, in this wedding that they're at right now, Jesus is a guest. But I'm showing you that there are prophetic pictures in this miracle that are telling us where well, the Lord He's using this to communicate to us where we are here in these last days, where we are here in this moment. And if we glean from these promises, glean from these signs, you'll understand where you are and also where we are going. All right. So as Jesus is a guest here in this wedding, guest here in this wedding celebration, the Bible also says in several cases that Jesus is also representative of the bridegroom. Now, let me show you a few uh, cases here. Now, if we go into Matthew 25, I'll read verses 1 through 13. This is very familiar, which helps you to see that Jesus is, in fact, the bridegroom. Now, again, he's not the bridegroom at this particular wedding, but this is, these are all symbols. He's using all of this to show you a picture, a prophetic picture of where we actually are now and where we are going. So see this prophetic picture. See these signs within signs. Got me? There are signs within signs. Everything the Lord Jesus does talks about something else. It's, it's, it's so wonderful. You can never just take it off of surface value. He's speaking about this, that, this, and that, and the other. And it's up to us as a church to decode what he's saying. Amen? So let me give you an example of Jesus being the bridegroom. There are several of them, but let me give you just a few. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13 says this. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. Of course, Jesus is speaking. Uh, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the who? The bridegroom. And five of them were, fool, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Uh, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Verse 4. But the wise took oil in their lamps with, rather took, 
one more time, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Of course, this is a picture of the rapture or the snatching away of the church. Amen. Jesus is coming. And as you know, those that were ready went in, and those who were not ready did not go in. But let me go ahead and finish reading. Verse 7. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Now here it is, verse 13. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Jesus is the Son of Man. He's saying, in, even in this parable, he is the bridegroom. Let me give you one more. Let's go to Matthew again. Matthew 9, 14, verses, verses 14 through 17. Now, this just puts it so plainly. There was a question about fasting here. And listen to this. Matthew 9, verse 14 through 17. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft or often, and thy disciples fast not? Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken, shall be taken from them, and then they rather and then shall they fast now who is jesus talking about himself he is the bridegroom they asked him why don't your disciples fast can he said can they fast while i'm here but i will be taken away and then they will fast look at verse 16 uh, no man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment for that which is put in to fill it up taketh uh, from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Verse 17, neither do men put new wine, and we'll look at this further on in this series, neither do new, rather, neither do men put new wine into old bottles, at least the bottles break, and the wine, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. So again, Jesus is the bridegroom. See this prophetic picture. Jesus is the bridegroom. Now, what is our role or responsibility in manifesting the Lord's glory in the earth? Yes, we are praying, God, restore the glory, restore the glory. But there is also a part that we're going to have to pray that is with prayer, and we're going to have to also do something as well. I want you to see this, because at the very last part of the scripture that we read in, in John, the second chapter, in the wedding of Cana, Cana of Galilee, the Bible says that uh, this was the 
first miracle of the Lord. This was the beginning of miracles, and the Lord manifested his glory. So you have, you and I have a part in manifesting his glory. Look at, again, at verse number five, John, John the second chapter, verse five. I want you to see this. John the second chapter, verse five. Remember, they ran out of wine, and Martha, rather Mary said here, Mary, the mother of Jesus, said, His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Do it. Now, Jesus, we're going to come back to that. Jesus speaks what he hears from his father, right? Jesus speaks what he hears from his father. The Lord does not speak of himself, but whatever he hears the father say, that is what he speaks. Now, this is very important that you get this. Now, we're looking, for, looking at a prophetic picture, so hang with me. Look at John, the 12th chapter. Look at John 12, verse 49 and 50. This is going to get a lot better to you if you, if you just, just hold on with me. John 12, verse 49 and 50 says this, uh, the New Living Translation. Jesus says here, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commandments lead to eternal life. Look at the very last phrase here. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Now, the problem was they have no wine. Mary says to the servants, and we're going to get to this, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. So in essence, it is the Father that is speaking through Christ in an effort to bring glory to the bridegroom. You got me? And the bridegroom in this prophetic picture is Christ. It is a father who speaks through his word. Jesus is the manifested word, right? The father releases this word to the servants. And the servants do work in an effort to bring glory to the bridegroom. Right? Before this point, this wedding had no glory. They were, uh, they were a disgrace because they had run out of wine. They were um, without honor. The glory had departed. The moment they ran out, there was disgrace and there was shame. Mary cries out, they have no wine. In other words, she is no longer comfortable with being a disgrace, no longer comfortable with being uh, dishonored. So she cries out to the Lord, and the Lord releases a word that has come from Father. The Father says to the servants, this is what you do. And the servants get busy in doing, being obedient to the voice of God, and it all ends up when, when the bridegroom is glorified, Jesus is glorified. Got it? A manifestation of glory. Now, I want you to see this because this is very, very powerful. So the servants had to obey God in order to manifest glory. You and I are servants in order to uh, manifest his glory. Now, I want you to see something as well. This is just so wonderful. So what happens... What happens as a result, again, of the, the, what happens as a result of the servants obeying, obeying uh, the voice of Jesus to fill up the water pots? At the very end of it, let's go to uh, John 2, verse 11. John 2, 11. John 2, 11 says this. Uh, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and what manifested forth his glory, 
and his disciples believed on him. Now, when Jesus' glory is manifested, those that are following Jesus begin to believe in him. The word believe there means to gain confidence. There are a lot of people following Jesus that are not confident in him. For one reason or another, they have lost, com lost confidence in Christ or lost confidence in his word. They may say, we love Jesus. I love going to church. I love, I love the things of God. I love to sing. But when it comes time for the rubber to meet the road, they don't have the confidence in Christ. Their faith has diminished. And why has that happened? Because there's been a loss of glory. A loss of glory. We would rather go to a bank for finances than seek his face. We would rather take matters into our own hands than seek God in prayer first. Jesus said, seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, because of a loss of confidence in the things of God, we don't seek him first. We seek him last. You've heard people say, well, all we can do now is pray. Well, that sort of statement, all we can do now is pray. That means that they have sought everything else first. And now, since all of that has not worked, now they're going to seek Father. So if they had confidence, if confidence was restored, then they would have sought God first. But because there's no confidence, they've sought other things first. Remember, Jesus told them, he said, uh, he said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to put on. But he said, because the Gentiles think this way, but this is what you do. Seek God first. This is the right order. And we can seek God first when we have confidence in him. Hallelujah. So we first of all have to realize that there has been a loss of confidence. Whether we want to say it or not, there's been a loss of confidence Loss of confidence in the preaching and the teaching in, in our prayers. There's been a loss of confidence. Why? Because there's been a loss of glory. There's been a loss of glory. There's a reason why when we lay hands, we don't see what we, we don't see a lot of people recover. There's a reason why when we pray, we don't see a lot of answered prayers because there's been a loss of confidence. Now, when Jesus is lifted up, when he is glorified, everybody's drawn to him. That's scripture, right? The Bible says, when I, Jesus said, when I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. That is scripture. But because there's a loss of confidence, why is there a loss of confidence? Because there's a loss of glory. When the glory is restored, confidence is restored. And when confidence is restored, uh, people are drawn to Christ. People are drawn to Christ and you begin to walk in the supernatural things of God. Now, what role do we have to play? And we're going to stay here for the rest of the day. What role do we have to play in order to bring the glory of God, in order for the glory of God to manifest? Now, this is powerful. I pray that you hear this because not many will enter in. Remember the Bible's what Jesus said that the, that the way to life is narrow and few there be that find it. But the way to destruction is broad, broad. Now, this is a very narrow way. Now, again, this narrow way that God is giving you now, the intent of it is for you to manifest his glory, to bring glory unto Christ, which will, uh, which call, which will cause people 
first of all, that follow him to believe in him have restored confidence in him. And the rest of the world, too, when they see the confidence that you have in Christ, they will begin to gain confidence in Christ. Got me? Isn't it a sad sight? Let's talk about this again. When, when someone goes out of a restaurant and they are vomiting, they've been in there, they're eating, they come out vomiting in the bushes and just all this stuff, but they tell you, oh, you ought to get in there. It's good food in there. It's good food in there. Oh, I can't wait to get back. The two don't mix. The two don't mix. So they see us leaving the church. They see you studying your Bible. They see you pray. They see you talking about Jesus, 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 but we're vomiting. Hallelujah. It's time for the glory of God to be restored. It's time for it to be restored. How is our home life? How is our finances? How are we physically, mentally, and emotionally? It's time for that to be restored. Time for the glory to be restored. And when the glory is restored, confidence is restored. And when confidence is restored in Christ, those will, people will see Christ in you. Glory to God. It's a lot easier for you to minister to someone else, to tell someone else about Jesus, when you're confident in Christ yourself, when you see him working in you. Hallelujah. It's a lot easier. Glory to God. When you are convinced. Glory. Hallelujah. So here's a narrow way that the Lord gives us. And I pray that you hear this. This is a role that we're going to play. And there are two roles here. We're going to just see one today. Look at John again. John, the second chapter, verses five through eight. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Verse 6, and there were set there six water pots of stone, and of course, uh, I'll read it, six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three fergans apiece, that is, uh, they held 20 or 30 gallons of water each. Verse 7, Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they fill them up to the brim and he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. Now, this is probably going to take about three weeks to get this. <laughs> I'm excited to mayor. About three weeks for us to really get all of this. But we're going to start on the first part today. Look at verse number five one more time. Verse five says again, his mother said unto the servants, whatever he saith unto you, do it. Now, this is how the Lord explained this to me, and I pray that you get this. Whatever meaning, this may not compute to you, but do it anyway. Whatever meaning, this may not make sense to you, but do it anyway. Follow the mind of God and not your own mind. Follow the plan of God and not your own plan. Start his plan and finish it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever. Now, that's a very bold statement. You have to submit yourself. Can you submit yourself to God's whatever he tells you to do? Do it. Here's the problem. We have no glory. We have no wine. We have no spirit. We have no anointing. We have no power. You may say, I have no money, I, uh, my marriage is this, my this and that. All this is, is, is jumbled, it's out of place, there is dishonor. The word comes, will you do whatever I tell you? 
Oh my God. Can you submit to God's whatever? Because the Bible is full of examples of God's whatever. When it came time for the children of Israel to leave Egypt, right? And Pharaoh and all the children of the Israelites were out of Egypt. And Pharaoh was on their track and he was coming to kill some and enslave others, right? And their backs were up against the Red Sea. And they cried out, Moses cried out, God, what are we going to do? Hold up your stick, Moses. What? He's coming to kill me, God. You want me to do what? Hold up your stick, Moses. How is me holding up my stick, my staff, going to stop Pharaoh? Do whatever I tell you, Moses. Hold up your stick. Huh. This doesn't make sense to me. Moses held up a staff. What happened? The river, the Red Sea opened up. Of course, it went through on dry ground. Pharaoh, Pharaoh's army drowned. They needed water in the desert. There was no water around there. God, what are we going to do? The people want to kill me. God told Moses, get your stick, Moses. Okay. Do whatever I tell you, right? Yeah, yeah, Lord, whatever. All right. Hit that flint rock over there. What? Flint? You mean the rock that they used to make fire? The rock that is so dry? You want me to hit it and that's going to solve the problem? Whatever I tell you, Moses, do it. Okay. I'll hit the rock. And water comes out, whatever. Another case, God told Moses, speak to it. What? How? If people are thirsty and you want me to stand here and talk to a rock, don't you want me to dig some wells? Won't that solve the problem? He said, speak to it. When they had to conquer Jericho, what's God's plan? What's the whatever? Walk around it, huh? And then yell, then praise. What in the world are you talking about? When five kings were coming against the people of God and they were coming to kill them, God told them, whatever, just uh, praise me. Go and send the praises out front. What are you talking about, God? They're coming to kill us. Can you do God's whatever? When Naaman wanted to be cured of his leprosy, he comes to Elijah, Elisha, and, and God tells him through the man of God, tell him to go, he want to be clean? Uh-huh. Go tell him to dip in the muddy river Jordan. What? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Whatever. David, I'm going to raise you up to be a king. I'm going to raise you up, and you're going to be a great king. All right, how are we going to start, God? Go out there and work with them sheep. What? One day you will defeat Goliath. Okay, well, I'm going, I'm going to battle school. One day you're going to defeat this man that is battle tested. He's been raised to fight from his youth. One day you're going to do it, David. How are we going to do it, God? Yeah, take care of them sheep. What are you talking about? God's whatevers don't make a lot of sense. Can you do whatever he says? Whatever. So that's a big thing. Don't take that lightly. That's a big thing. God's whatever. Can you submit yourself to God's whatever? Because really only those that are desperate will submit themselves to God's whatever. You say, God, I need more money. I need more money in my home. All right. I want you to give tithe and offering. What? 
don't you want me to save some more and go get a second or third job? You want me to give money away to get money? I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Lord, I'm, this person over here just keep cussing me out, keep, keep, keep saying horrible things about me. You want me to do what to stop this? Treat them nice? Pray for them? Forgive them? That don't make sense to me. God's whatevers don't make sense. Mary says, whatever he tells you to do, are you ready to do whatever he tells you to do? Only those who are crying out in desperation will say, yes, I'm ready to do whatever you tell me to do. Whatever you tell me to do. I mean, you think about Gideon. I mean, my God, all these armies coming to fight against the people of God. They, they, had, they had really enslaved God's people. They were living in torment. And God raises up Gideon, who was just trying to feed his family there in the wine press. He was, he was threshing wheat there in the wine press because he didn't want the enemy to come and, and steal it and take it away. God says, I'm going to use you to destroy this enemy. I'm going to use you to do it. Lord, what, what, what are you talking about? Gather your army. He gathered first about, about 32,000. You know, the Lord said, hey, you got too many. Got all the way down to 300. God said, all right, you got who you're going to need. What? This enemy army that was so vast, the Bible described them like, a, it's like they were locusts over the field. They were just so many. 300. All right, Lord. Okay, fine. How are we going to do this? Get some uh, pictures. Uh, some what, Lord? Some clay pitchers, and your shofar. No sword, Lord. No, just do that. Go stand up on the hill. Okay, Lord, this. <laughs> are you joking with me? Nope. Go up there and break the pitchers there, uh, revealing the light there, and 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 blow your shofar and say the sword of the Lord and sword of Gideon. Whatever. God's whatevers don't make sense. And you think about this, in this case here, Jesus told, uh, or Mary told the servants, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. What's the problem? We have no wine. See this second part. We'll go here just for a moment. What did, what did he tell them to do? I want you to go out there. See those water pots over there? I want you to fill them all up with water. Huh? Jesus, uh, you, didn't, you must didn't, you didn't know. Um, they said they have no wine. No wine. Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Okay, what are we going to do? Go to the store and get some? What, what is he going to tell us? Go to the store? Who got the money? Who he going to tell us what? You want me to go get some water and fill up? Lord, um, these pots here hold 20 to 30 gallons each. So uh, that's about hmm, between 120 and I think about 180, 180 gallons of water. And roughly that would be between 1,000 to 1,500 pounds of water. You, you, go do it now? They didn't have indoor plumbing like we have today. 
So that meant they had to go and, okay, get something and, and dip it in some river, dip it in somewhere, and go right back and, and pour it in and go back and forth and, and, and dip it in water, grab that water, and come back and, and pour it in the container. Got to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And surely somebody said, wait now, I thought we would be handling this wine problem. How is this going... How is this going to fix that? How is me doing this going to fix that? It's God's whatever. How is this? Because this, this is a lot of water between 1,000 and 1,500 pounds of water. Between 120 to 180 gallons of water. A lot of back and forth, back and forth. God, what are you doing? But if you do this, you'll get that. See, here's the thing, and we're going to stop here today. Here's the thing. This is where we get wore out. We get wore out in the process because we don't understand. How does making, Lord, uh, you telling me to build a... a the 2,000 seat sanctuary where only 30 people show up? That don't make a lot of sense. You tell me to spend all this money, do all of this, and that this is going to solve that problem. He said, whatever. He said, go back and forth now. How long did it take them to fill up? I'm not sure how many servants there were. How long did it take them to fill it up? And, and how much at the backs? I'm sure they were used to that, maybe that labor. But, oh, Lord, how many times of back and forth, back and forth have, have we endured doing some things that we have not understood because the Lord told us to do it? And we have become weary. We have become many times frustrated, aggravated. At least they could see the water filling up and they, and they filled it up till there's no more room to fill up. Sometimes you can't see progress. You don't know if you're filling them up or not. What's the end of it? Where is the end of it? What is God doing? He's building in you the character that is going to take for you to get to that next level and remain on that level. Because this is a hard walk back and forth, a toilsome walk back and forth, trying to do something that you don't understand. He didn't send you to the store to go get a few boxes of wine or bottles of wine. He sent you down to the local river. Do this, and you'll get that. It's a walk of faith. So as we're restoring the Lord, restoring his glory upon us, restoring his glory upon us, and we might as well go ahead and say it, yeah, Lord. What happens at the very end of this? What God has been building in you, there will come a day that he tells you to draw it out now. Because at the end of this, he tells the servants, what you've been building, what you've been making, what you've been laboring for, it's time now for the presentation. Draw it out. Now let me show you what I've been building in you. It's kind of like that movie Karate Kid. When the little boy goes to Mr. Miyagi and says, I want to learn karate. He puts a paintbrush in his hand. 
And he says, all right, begin to paint like this, up and down like this, paint up and down like this, paint up and down. He said, man, I want to learn karate. I don't want to paint your fence. He said, keep doing this. You, you may not understand by doing this, you're going to be able to do that. I don't understand it. Let me show you how to wax my car. Wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. Man, I've been doing that so long, my arm hurt, my arm hurt. What are you talking about? I'm just doing this. You're not teaching me? He said, uh-huh. Show me wax on. Oh, my goodness, I did that. There will come a time when your toil back and forth, toil time, when that toil, the Lord will say to you, all right now, Draw it out on this, draw it out on this platform. Do what you have been doing, but do it here. And it will bring glory to God. Do that, but here. He's been building something in you and building something in you. So what are we saying here? If you've been frustrated at doing the things that God has called you to do, and you saw, you've seen no fruit at it, and you wonder, Lord, how long can I keep this up? How long can I keep this up? This is hard. The Lord says that, that the time of your drawing out is near. And when they draw it out and give it to the governor, he's, uh, he goes to praise the bridegroom. Glory is brought to the Lord. And people begin to believe in him. But will you first stand the Lord's whatever and would you continue to do his whatever until the time of drawing out is near and i'm telling you that time is drawn when you if you're at the point now frustrated aggravated when you're at the point where you question why am i walking back and forth why am i serving food why am i doing videos why am i talking to these people why am i going to this job lord did you tell me to do this you're at that point now when you just about had enough of it you're at the point of revealing and it won't be very long when the Lord will say to you as well draw out now and take it and the glory will be brought to Christ I pray you receive the word of God today Let's pray. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for this time. And Lord, I pray for courage and strength for your people. And Lord, I declare now that drawing process that they will draw out of their gifts and talents, draw out of the anointing upon their lives. And Lord, that much glory would be brought to you. And Lord, I just prophesy and declare that now is a time of drawing out. Now is a time of drawing out. And Lord, I declare to those that are weary, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that they were not weary in well-doing, for this is the due season, and they shall reap as they have fainted not. Father, I thank you for the grace that you've given unto them. Lord, and I thank you for this opportunity that you give them and for the glory that shall be yours and yours alone. Thank you, Lord, for restoring the glory, and thank you, Lord, for partnering with your people to get the job done. I pray your blessings upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next time. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. 
Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.